Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. You're back. You're back. You came back. Um, I was, I was under voted the Im- back on. I was under the impression that you got carried away by a squad of robotic chihuahuas. Mm. Is that not the case? Are your, are your chihuahuas all counted? <laughs> yes, my, my, my chihuahuas <laughs> are not robotic. Um, Steve insists that... We have that- no proof of that. This, this is true. Yeah. You, you don't have proof of it. Uh, All we have but, is Prisma photos that you post on Twitter of these dogs. <laughs> they could be robots. There's no way to know. Honestly, there is no way to know. But they look <laughs> nothing like the robotic uh, chihuahuas that Steve has fallen in love with. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad you're back and you didn't get carried off. Uh, did you have a good time not hanging out with us? I missed you guys. You know it. That sounds let's really just, sincere. Let's, just, let's drop the pretense, okay? Georgia, Georgia was in jail. Georgia was in jail. She was busted. You know, Renee paid her bail. She's out. She's probably on some watch list. But Georgia was in jail. Let's just let's just put it out there. You promised you weren't going to tell anyone. I, I, it's true. I'm glad we can be honest with the with the listeners. And you know, Georgia. It's it's so sad because this is like the third time that Renee has had to bail you out, and this time Seriously. he actually like he had to sell some of his Apple Watch bands in order to get you out of jail this time. I mean, That's in just... fairness, he does have quite a supply, so I don't think it's going to hurt him too much. But I, I mean, George, you really need to show some self restraint when somebody screams Vaporeon in a park and not like karate chop people trying to get to it. Like, we really need to talk about this. It's becoming a problem. I had to catch them all. Well, I hope you're proud of yourself, Georgia. I hope you're proud you caught them all. Uh, You know, we should just dive right in because we have a very interesting topic to discuss. And it involves 3D printers. It involves uh, fingerprints. And it involves a a person um, who is no longer alive. So, And does it involve Muppets? It doesn't involve Muppets. We will get to that eventually. A very sad, sad story. But um, there was a man, a dead man, and police were trying to find uh, who is responsible for his murder. And they feel like there might be something on his phone that can help them find out who killed this guy. So they have asked, instead of going to, they, they don't name what company it is, like who the phone actually belongs to, but instead of going to the company and saying, Hey yo, can you unlock this? Because we know That's how, how that works most it, of the time. Hey yo, right. hey can yo, you unlock this? can you unlock this? That's the secret code, but sometimes it doesn't mm. work. Uh, mm. They decided instead to go to a 3D printing lab and ask the 3D printing lab to make models of the man's fingers, the dead man's fingers. And by doing that, then of course they are hoping that they can spoof uh, the, you know, they can trick the the lock into letting them in. So, Why couldn't they just use his fingers? 
Well, this, this is the this is the trick. A, I don't know exactly like how the body is. Like, I don't know the state of the body. Uh, so that's that's one of the things. But come on, Georgia, I'm, do you want to touch some dead body? Like, right, of course, you just go down to the 3D shop. What? Like, oh, I'll just roll his corpse on in there. Like, also, who knows? Like, like no. there's probably some permission stuff yeah. involved with yeah. that too. And well, it's way probably gross. already. Yeah. Okay. It is I mean, very gross, doggone it. But here's the thing is, like, they're not getting the fingerprints from the body. Uh, this Why? man, because they don't have to. And again, like I said, I don't know the state of the body, so <laughs> who knows? No, they don't have to because the guy was arrested before, and so his fingerprints were captured when he was arrested, obviously. His, they, they were taken they down. They have the dead body, so... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, like a casting of the fingers would be so much easier than going to a 3D printer. Well, that's, this sounds like it's the, this sounds like it's a considerable amount of time after this person was deceased. And we oh, have so to talk was, about the the technology okay. involved with the the fingerprint sensors on uh, smartphones. It isn't just uh, it's not like a little uh, camera that takes a photo of your finger um, or some sort of like uh, pressure sensitive like depth thing. It's actually a it's a, it's a form of a capacitive you, touch. You stick a latex thing over of someone else's fingerprint on your finger, it'll work just like a hot dog would work too. When you're alive. Well, no, but if you, I use my finger and I take a casting of your oh, fingerprint. Oh, I see. I put it on my finger. I'm unlocking your phone. And now I have Micah's Chihuahua pics on Prisma <laughs> as my own. Yeah. I see what yeah. you're saying now. So you would take a living body. Yeah. I mean, before styluses on iPads were a thing, people literally used hot dogs. And they would hold hot dogs and they would touch it to the screen and it would work. I don't think this is a thing, Steve. <laughs> right. I don't think it's I mean, a thing. I think that they could no, do there it. Was but a I thing. don't. They yeah. have this I, one brand of sausage in I, some, some country. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I'm not what? making this up, Georgia You're Dow. Liars. You're Unlike just doing this your for me to believe unlikely you. unlikely story to the judge at your bail hearing, this is true. <laughs> There was yes. a. There was. A, do you remember which country it was? Uh, it's, it was I, I have it, it right here. It was, it was in. Uh, in South Korea, there yeah. was a a snack sausage that was what? electrostatically similar to a finger, and you could actually use it to um, to use it as a stylus. I I don't think anyone ever who would want sausage. I'm sorry on their on their phone. That just seems wrong. Before they had like phones or uh, gloves that had like the silver parts on the fingers. You know you had you were trying to use your phone. You, you, it's cold you use out. A sausage like you could use your nose or take off your gloves. Don't stick a sausage on your phone. That's <laughs> that's not hygienic. Listen, Mike Turley's already like killed the nose tapping thing. Let's not go there. But like, but no, you just, you know, you carry your sausage around. What's wrong with that? I mean, you okay. know, don't be. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you guys are twisted. Continue. <laughs> twisted sausage carriers twisted is what y'all are. This is the strangest thing that you've heard on this show, Georgia. Well, no. <laughs> no it's, just, it's, it's just the most unacceptable thing i've heard on the show this is just wrong. No, I, I so what it, what it boils down to i guess is we we don't know the state of the body so that's the the main thing who knows at this point if there are hands if the you know who knows but uh they decided to take the less ghoulish route which was to just uh take the the man's fingerprints and send those to the lab i imagine that's also faster and easier too uh rather, rather than having to take the casts and do all that kind of stuff um, it's faster to say, oh, we've already got this in the database. 
we get that sent over and boom, we're done. So anyway, uh, the, the lab is actually putting together these fingers and because they have to be capacitive, again, they're using special little like micro tidbits of silver or metallic, uh, particles of some sort so that the, the capacitive reader can actually read the fingerprint. But this is like the most interesting part of this is not so much that they've taken, you know, fingerprints and are trying to make a cast out of it. Instead, it's kind of the the legal gray area around which it's based because the and I'm uh, I'm pulling from some of these articles that we'll include in the show notes, but uh the the 5th amendment obviously protects you uh from self-incrimination. But because this person is already dead, there's no way that they can incriminate them themselves in anything because they are dead. dead. There, you know, there's no case to be brought up against them. Uh, so by taking this person's fingerprints, you know, you're not, you're not incriminating the person against themselves. But on top of that, it's actually that a password that's memorized in your brain because your brain is protected by the fifth amendment. Uh, so, you know, they can't legally, you're under no legal obligation to share what's in your mind, but something physical like your fingerprint, actually you, you can be legally obligated under the law to share that. Uh, so this is all just really fascinating. And I, I think it opens up the conversation to a bigger thing because what's stopping people from taking the, you know, the, the fingerprints of a live person and using that to get into a device for whatever reason well then they just yeah. order them to unlock their phone i mean that's happened already there was there was a case a couple of months ago where a uh, a suspect and a court ordered them to unlock their phone with touch id which they would not have been able to do if it was just a password like they wouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to say give us your password but they could like compel them physically to put their thumbprint on the, the reader and then unlock the phone so that has happened yeah. already yeah, the same way that they can take your fin- fingerprints without you wanting to give your fingerprints. So, Bree, say you go out to, uh, a, a, I don't know, a rave, okay, and you're out there and you're just yeah. rocking it. You're just getting it. That's right. It's having a great time. That's right. And you have mm-hmm. a glass of water because I know you don't drink. And nope. uh, you, you take your, you know, you, you finish your water and you set it down on the bar. And then some terrible, scary person comes in and they take your glass with their Georgia? white gloves on. It's Georgia. Georgia? <laughs> Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Who else would it be, really? <laughs> takes your glass and she's got white gloves on. And Typical she leaves. Georgia. Yeah. And she takes the fingerprints off of the glass and she sends them off to a 3d printer lab and they make these fingerprint things they make these fingers they make your fingers and then she comes and finds your phone and she logs in and she tweets out from your account that georgia dow is the best pagel player in the world how does that make you feel are you are you nervous that someone can take your fingerprints and hack into your phone to tweet about georgia being the best pagel player well, of course. That's I mean, yeah. You know, the I think you know, we covered this a lot in Rocket, right? With the the Apple case, which uh, you know Christina covered really, really well. And the thing is, um, you know, the government always wants to push legal precedent so they have more tools open in front of them. So, you know, they took this case, which you know seems like a slam dunk. But I have to say, Micah, as you're talking to me about this, you're like, of course, there's no way a, a dead person can incriminate themselves. Where, well, I'm going. Okay, let's 
really think through this issue. That might be true, but what about civil implications? What about, like, let's say, if this person was being unfaithful to their spouse? What if that, you know, causes complications in those hearings? And I just, I, I think it's really worth taking a step back and realize that, you know, the, the push is always for more, 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 more government intrusion on this. So um, I, I have to be honest, I, I'm not a fan of this. I'm sure the technology can work. You know, I'm more, if I remember correctly, you guys did some uh, incredible coverage about ways to, you know, cheat the fingerprint sensor uh, on your phone, which you can do. Uh, so I don't know. It's just, it, it you know, I think that these issues are a matter of a pendulum, right? Like, you wait for it to swing too far one way, then you take a breath, you look at it, and you try to swing it back the other. I am not without empathy for some of the government's interests in this, but I, I think clearly if you look at the, the trajectory of our country since the Bush administration, you know, the government has clearly gotten too much power uh, as far as you know, collecting data about us. When you put this together with Google, you know, there's just, it, it's just too much, and I just I don't support this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I absolutely agree with you here. I think that something like this, it's it's crossing a boundary that I don't think should be crossed. I think that our our fingerprints and those personal identifiers uh, about us, like our, our retina scans or our DNA, should be ours and ours alone, and they should be protected by law. And it especially applies when I was listening to uh, Clockwise, which is another great show here on Relay, and they brought up the fact that once your fingerprints are out there and once your retina scans are out there without some you know some major future type surgery that replaces your retinas like it's legitimately it's it's you can't use that anymore you you only yeah. have one set of retinas and you only have one set of fingerprints unless you're Will Smith and burn them off and uh, men in black but other than that like th- and like in all seriousness these it's a one-time deal and so we do feel safe like I feel mostly safe about it in general like that I'm using my fingerprint for my phone but what does happen when someone for some reason decides that I have something that's valuable enough for them to go and do this whole process? I don't get another set of fingerprints because I'm already born and already here on the earth. So uh, it's scary. And yeah, the the pendulum is swinging a little too far. Uh, Even, I mean, because we have to consider too, like we were able to solve these types of crimes without this sort of stuff before. So I don't know. It's a slippery slope that, you know, uh, of course, course, there are arguments to be made for both sides, but it just kind of, it freaks me out because why do we need to keep taking these steps more and more and more and more and get even more out of this? It ugh, worries me. Well, I think it's, I think it's judicial precedence. And I think that, um, no government, like no government gives up power once they have it. That's the problem is that once we say okay to that, they're not going to suddenly say, you know what, we're not going to use this. So I think that we really need to be very careful about uh there's there's more information on our phone my phone knows more about me than i know about me if you asked me where i was at three you know three in the afternoon 16 days ago i would have no clue my phone would know exactly where i was you could take a look at my phone and find out where i was what i said to whom what I was doing with that information and why I think that phones should be considered as part of someone's person because 
it is more of me than me upon this. And so we, we use these almost as extensions of ourselves. And in that there, I like, you can't, they can't just come into your house and look through your stuff without some sort of information, but they can look through your phone and it has better information on me than I do. And so I have a right not to incriminate myself, but my phone will, and it will do it in a better way. And so I, I now use the, I didn't, I never actually use the fingerprint scan on my phone because of that. Um, and now I do just because it is easier to that. But yeah, I always, it does give me pause because they can ask me to put my fingerprint upon the phone where they could not ask me to password unlock my phone. Yeah, I think you just look at Canada's rich imperialistic history and just realize <laughs> that you know, what's scared? Canada, what's scared? Canada has Canada's that power. Scary. It's yeah. just it, it uses yeah. it yes. to you know with hegemonic uh, recklessness. So yeah. I think just just those learn this. sticky maple but fingers won't let go of the power. Have you Justin Trudeau? Yeah, that's, that's scary. a strong, yeah. scary person. Scary, yeah. scary. <laughs> He's gonna kill people with those hugs, but he can kill me with all his hugs. I do. Okay, I, moving on. No, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to leave this without saying this though, because like this is like we talked about security a couple weeks ago and weighing convenience versus like what you're willing to give up. But I guess the the alternative to using something like Touch ID, you have a password on your phone, and then you probably set a short one because you're not going to type in a 20 character long random password. Type it in like an animal. Yeah, like every time that you unlock your phone, like a hundred times a day. So, well, we used to set like four digit passcodes, but I mean, that's really not secure either. And that was just because it was better than nothing. But I mean, that's easy enough to crack, too. So, I mean, what's the what's more very judged right now on the show? (laughs) I don't appreciate that. I'm a busy woman, Steve Lubitz. I don't have. I did too. I had a I had a four digit. I still haven't changed it from a four digit passcode to, to log in. Hold yeah. on, aren't you like some security person? Well, because I have touch because I have touch ID turned on. Ah, uh, okay. But that's well, the point, I'm, right? I guess your four digit. Uh, look, I'm going to come to your house and mm. I'm going to take the toaster and give it to Bree, and then I'm going to <laughs> sit down and brute hack your phone because you only have a four Wouldn't digit. Wouldn't you just passcode? watch Steve and just watch him do his password? Wouldn't that be yeah, easier? Because I yeah, I, I I'm really worried about Micah Harge- Micah Sargent. Sargent. I'm really it. worried. About, I'm actually worried about that's Micah Harge. That's the nickname. We got it. <laughs> Argent, Micah Argent. I'm, I am worried Hargent. about Micah Sargent, like ex- hacker at large. Argent, <laughs> This show is over because <laughs> you ruined my Hargent. name. You don't get to say it when the my, show's we over. Gave it, we Hargent. upgraded your name, Micah Argent. There you go. <laughs> Come on, the laziest nickname. <laughs> See, this is the thing. All of my life, I've never been given a nickname. No one ever gives me nicknames because my name is already short. And I've always wanted a nickname in all my life. And then the day that I get a nickname, it's Micah Hargent. Steve. Would you you rather we just call you Buddy? No. Killer. Killer? How you doing, Killer? What's up? (laughs) Well, I prefer prefer Killa if we're going to go that (laughs) route. No, no, no. You're Killer. Killer. Hargent. Oh dear. Killer What I was saying before I mis before I mispronounced Micah's name and inadvertently gave him a nickname. I I mean I guess the thing is right, like 
it's still what's the what's the more likely scenario, I guess, is are you more likely to, you know, get arrested and then have to turn over your phone or are you more likely to leave your phone on a table in an airport and then have somebody get a hold of it and then potentially be able to 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 crack your password? You know what I, I mean? I mean, it's Georgia Dow and Micah Killer Harton, and <laughs> the number one is much, much, much more likely. Steve. I am just, I'm praying every, every time there's a knock on my door, I'm praying it's not the Boston police. Just, just telling you. I, uh, I don't, I, I'm not a statistician, so I'm not sure which is more likely. I worry about Mounties. <laughs> well, don't we all wish we had your life? I heard Mounties are actually all secretly orcs. Oh, don't yeah, tell. True no, story. You're going to get Georgia arrested again. Uh, you know, before this descends into more nonsense, uh, Micah Hargent wants to tell you a thing or two about this fantastic service called Squarespace. You've probably heard of it before. That's because it's awesome. And they keep coming back to offer you more websites. So this episode of Disruption is obviously brought to you by Squarespace. So the thing you need to know, first of all, before we get into anything, is that we need you to go to Squarespace and enter the offer code DISRUPTION because you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's Disruption. It's the name of our show. You probably typed it in to find this or to go to our Twitter. So Disruption, don't forget it. So what is Squarespace if you don't know? And if you don't know, then you should listen to more podcasts with easy to use tools and templates. Squarespace helps you capture every single detail of what drives you, whether you're driving a Honda Cordo or Honda, Honda Cordo. Oh, that's a deep or, cut. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll be here. All, Honda all the rest Cordo of the show. is a fighting technique. It's not something you drive killer. Come on. Sergeant. Okay. Well, whatever drives you, whether it be your passion for Honda Cordo or driving a Honda Accord, because if it's worth the effort, then you've got to share it with the world. Squarespace puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away all of the ridiculous pain points like trying to worry about where am I going to host this site? How am I going to scale it up whenever it gets linked by popular people? Or what am I going to do if I can't figure out how to shift this photo two pixels to the left? You don't have to worry about all that with Squarespace. It's so easy to build a professional website, regardless of your skill level, whether you be like, you know, Georgia Dow skill level of building a website <laughs> or uh, or Steve Lubitz level of building a website. I'm just guessing you can figure out what that scale is. Look, it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about coding. You don't have to worry about any of it. You can make I've a beautiful maligned. website. You ha- may have just been maligned because you <laughs> can make a beautiful website. Georgia Dow is maligned.com and you can have it look exactly how you want. They've got state-of-the-art technology. They've got awesome site templates you've got to check out. In fact, they've even just added a few. And what's even better is that this isn't even like they, they don't have a note about this, but you have to know because I'm super excited about this. They just added Apple News integration. So if you've ever wanted to be in Apple News and you're like, how do I go? Like, wh- what do I need to do to publish my site on, on Apple News? They make it so easy. In fact, I've been experimenting around with it and 
and uh, trying out new templates and stuff like that in Apple News. And now I've got two things publishing there. It's really neat. And, you know, if you do run into any problems, they've got 24-7 support. And if you don't like talking on the phone to people like me, then you could just chat them or email them and they get back to you real darn quick. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, if you're not just, you know, like me or, or Georgia and you want to take it to the next level and you've got uh, coding experience, they've got a dev platform so you can dig in and mess with the CSSs and the HTMLs and the, the backflips and the hoodly bops. It's all super easy with their dev platform. So how are you going to do all this? Well, here's what you need to know. First of all, if you sign up for a year, you're going to get a free domain name and you can choose whatever you want it to be. The plan started just $8 a month. So $8, $8, that's it for all of those things I was just talking about getting on Apple news, $8, start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, because I know that you will, because you love us and you got to use the offer code disruption to get 10% off and to show your support for our show and all of relay FM. Thank you. Squarespace. I just bought. Hargentfoottherapy.com. <laughs> no. Wow. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So oh, title me. confirmed. No. Uh, <laughs> see, I think that I mean, Squarespace is the only thing that is more useful than a sausage stylus. The only thing. That, I still don't you, think you, that's you, Yeah. Yeah. That's not Wait, a legally what? true statement. Just so you know on the show. Don't. That's not legally true. <laughs> it could be true. We're just not legally claiming on the show for yes. liability purposes that Squarespace is more useful than a finger sausage stylus. So yeah, just, I, I am. I am illegally claiming that. Actually, I, I am breaking the law to claim that. Okay, I forgot. So, Lubitz formed a partnership with the with the finger sausage stylus people, so you're not even allowed to say that. Listen, I mean, you can finish playing your game of Peggle and then you have a snack after you're done. It's great. Okay, that's disgusting. That seems so wrong. That's disgusting. That's, Don't, I, I think that the, the you, Micah foot therapy, the, sorry, the hargentfoottherapy.com is less gross than. Bum, bum, bum. Up next, we are going to have some spoilers for Mr. Robot. So if you have not checked out season one or season two, which is now out, what are you doing? Uh, go check those out before you listen to this part of the episode. Otherwise, hit that little fast forward button for a little bit until we get right on past the Mr. Robot discussion. Bum, bum, bum. Very well. I'm going to disrupt <laughs> this train that's going way off the tracks by getting us back on them. No, uh, because, no, yes. no killer. We're not, we're not. You don't want to talk I, about Mr. Robot, Brie? Okay, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so we have obvious, like, Mr. Robot's in its second season. Yes. And um, Brie has been mentioning Mr. Robot on and off in our group chat for a while now. And I absolutely love the show. Um in fact, I just was on uh, The Incomparable talking about the, the first episode of the second season. And, Brie, you should totally come on for future episodes so we can all talk yes. about it. But um, yes. I – yeah, I mean we, we mostly want to touch on season one into season two I think is, is what we talked about. And, you know, Georgia, I can remember a while – it's been so long though that you mentioned some of your troubles with the uh, portrayal, like the, the mental uh, – mental disability portrayals. And so I would love to hear your take on all of that uh, as well. But where do we want to start, Bree? This is this is all you. Well, I feel like it's a very disruption-y topic. Um, yeah, Georgia, have you seen Mr. Robot or are you uncool? 
<laughs> I have. I've watched Mr. Robot. Okay, I've only I watched mean, the first season, though, but yes. Okay, right. Okay. So, I mean, at its core, it's a show about, um, I think it's fair to say it's about mental illness to a, to mm-hmm. a great degree. Uh, and, you know, I've talked uh, in the past about my struggles with, uh, you know, drug addiction. And to me, that show is extremely reminiscent of what it's like, like coming down, uh, just being through rehab and getting off that stuff and, you know, feeling reality, unreality, Um you know, and just the 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 really confusing nature of that. So I I, I guess I wanted to kind of did, you know take that apart with you, Georgia. I mean, when you watch it, um, it speaks so in in a way that feels true to the experiences I've had. That uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. It's a very dark view of what that's like, but um, I, I it just I don't know. I, it speaks to me. How do you feel about it? Well, my only thought is that I, I think that a lot of times, uh, almost every show that deals with mental illness and serious mental illnesses, such as you know schizophrenia and audio, audio um, and visual hallucinations, but um, these type of things, I think that they they are really scary, and I think that they say that the person is no longer able to be um, deemed as someone that could hold down a good job and is trustworthy and is understanding of that. And so that's my main problem with the show to it. I love the show. I think that it's really fascinating. I love Fight Club too. Like I love, I think that it was a very, it was really, really interesting to that. But I just don't like the fact that, that people that are dealing with these serious mental illnesses, and especially when I have to tell a young family that their 11-year-old girl, I think, is coming down with schizophrenia, or maybe, and they have to be tested. It's such a scary, scary thought process, and it does not have to be. And so that's my my thought to it, is that I wish that it was not always used as this agent to propel a story to make it intriguing, but it has to be in a way that's kind of, um, it, it undercuts us trusting the character all the way because that's what everyone fears that may be coming down with this. So it makes me sympathize because that's the only way that we find out about how these, and it sways our feelings towards people that are dealing with that. And if you try to get a job and someone finds out that you have schizoid affective disorder or something else, often then you will not get a job. So you have to live in shame and hiding because of shows Kind of, and I don't think that they do a horrible job of of portrayal to that. But I think that they show one side to this, and I think that they do it very well in the show. Like the show is great, but myself as someone that's trying to help people through this process, it's kind of doing people a disservice. You know, it's not so much about his. Um, he does have that condition, but it's also about you know he he very deliberately talks about how he does uppers and he does downers uh, for the first season to kind of control that at the same mm-hmm. time. And to me, it's just as much about drug abuse and withdrawal as it yeah. is um, yeah. you know, that particular thing. Yeah, and, and I think that that know, one they do much more um, cognizantly and yeah. more realistically and less as a. You know, and he's able to function and he's able to do other things. And, and he's using that, which many people do, is to try to, to help be even, right? A lot well, of he's self-medicating, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, one of the things that, like, he's, uh, at least in the first season, 
incredibly terrified of getting addicted. And so he takes the, he takes, you know, what is it? Is methadone? Um, I can't, I can't remember, but he takes one medicine and then he takes the medicine that's used in treatment to help someone come off of the medicine. And, uh, you know, he's very meticulous about it. So even mm-hmm. though he needs it at the same time, he's trying to, he's, he's using the, the medicine that's used in treatment so that he doesn't form a dependency with it, which is interesting in and of itself, because if he's taking it in the first place, it does kind of become a dependency in that way. Uh, but he's, you know, trying to counteract the effects of if he is unable to go, if he's unable to have it for a while, then he's going to be okay and he won't have the terrible, terrible effects of, of coming off of the, the opiate. The way that Elliot moves through life, he does it very much as a computer programmer and like he treats himself as a computer. And that's even more clear in the premiere of season two, uh, just in the way that like his, his life is being le- led as a loop and literally like a loop in a program and everything is done the exact same way because if it gets out of line, then that's whenever bad things can happen that he doesn't want to happen. And so all of the things that he does, he's very, very, very careful and very focused on making sure that, uh, what needs to happen happens so that his program doesn't become corrupted, AKA he doesn't, you know, uh, lose control of himself or, uh, have to deal with, uh, Mr. Robot or what have you. I, I'm so aware of this on the left, but we we are so unwilling to accept any kind of representation unless it's absolutely perfect and meets our own imaginary standards. I mean, I've mm-hmm. run into this mm-hmm. from 60. I'm stealing myself for this game coming out. And you know, like, we spent a long time redoing all of our costumes, right? Because I agree their body proportions were not the best. I agree that some of our costumes were not the best, but there's so much that this game does right. Like we don't treat the women like sexual objects. They're not, you know, a matter of a a love subplot, you know, they're not tokens in this game. There's so much that my game does right. It gets me so frustrated because it doesn't meet the highest standard possible. There are a lot of people out there that are going to call it trash. So like, you know, Georgia, to speak to the example we're talking about earlier, like, when I see the representation of drug abuse on this show, um, Elliot is not perfect and it's not the narrative I would write if I were writing my own story about getting off drugs and, and what rehab was like, but it's pretty darn good. And I guess I'm just willing to accept that kernel of truth in it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because we were speaking before about, you know, does he have autism? Or does he have social anxiety? And uh, they have some of the pieces to both of them right and some of the pieces to both of them wrong. And so does he have both? Does he have a little bit of either of them? It's quite interesting because he he gives off a lot of social anxiety cues, yet he can do things that most people that are dealing with social anxiety could not do. He can read people actually exceptionally well, though he is a is expressionless on of himself. So then that also uh, would be different to that. And so there's also a lot of things to that. I think that we can become picky and I think that um, everyone will see a show and then reflect it back onto themselves and find different issues to that. Um, You know, besides the, just because so many times people that are dealing with mental illness are portrayed as not being able to be trustworthy I think that that'll always be something that I will have empathy for because I, I'm, 
I deal so much with trying to let people know that that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them and they can't hold, have full, wonderful lives. And it's not something that you should be scared of. I think that's fair. Yeah. And Brie, I like what you, what you said. Uh, cause yeah, they, uh, in the real in the real world, um, you everyone has different experiences, and there is no perfect uh, example or or vessel uh, into which you can you know pour all of yourself uh, you know on screen. And so, yeah, I I do get kind of uh, tired sometimes. Whenever over and over and over again, it's like because this didn't match your exact expectations of what you expected this character to be, or it didn't match you know what exactly your experience is personally. Then it's just absolutely and completely and one hundred percent wrong. And it's like, mm, yeah, that's not that's that's yes. not that's not how that works because everyone has different experiences there. So yeah, I'm I'm happy that you that you noted that and touched on that. Uh, yeah, so, I mean it's the black widow problem right like it's it's the problem that when you have so little representation when you do represent a group then everyone kind of wants to see themselves in that one uh you know that one instance of representation because they don't know when the next one's going to come around and so there's a lot of disappointment i think when either that when that character's not treated well or when that character doesn't represent who you are completely, it's like everything kind of gets put on that one character because that's the one that everyone sees. Whereas if there was more representation across the board, you you know people who were feeling underrepresented wouldn't necessarily have to put all of their expectations on this one character or this one show or this one one instance, right? Mm. Yeah, and we we are we're getting better. We're getting better. Yes, one day it is getting bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, if if no one has anything else to say on that, I just want to say go definitely check out Mr. Robot. It is a fantastic show. Uh, and, you know, give it a, give it a go. It might not be for you, uh, but it's certainly worth at least uh, giving it a shot. Uh, it's time to round out the us talking portion of the show, uh, at least amongst each other, with uh, a very bit of sad news from a certain street that we all love and hold close to our hearts. Georgia, you want to tell us about what's happening? So so I was so sad to hear that Sesame Street is going to be letting go um, a whole bunch of our favorite characters from the show. And it was like they've been bought over. The show's also been changed. But... I don't watch Sesame Street anymore. I love Muppets. What? I don't. What? I don't watch it anymore. But I love. I watch it all the time. I, I completely would, but we don't. We don't. Who's have your favorite TV. character? Cookie Monster. <laughs> Why would you ask me that? I love Elmo. I oh. love Cookie Monster. Oh, Elmo is a damn joke. Yeah. <laughs> I love no, no, I, no, 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 no. Hang on. Wait. Yeah. Wait. You love Elmo? That's a strong word, Georgia. I think yeah. we may have to. Yeah. We may have Come to revisit on, that. What's wrong with Elmo? No, I love Elmo. Oh. I do. I love Elmo. No. If you have not had to sit through episode after episode of Elmo's World at the end of every episode oh of Sesame Street, where he's talking to the freaking goldfish. Yes. Elmo what was the, what was the goldfish? Dorothy. Elmo cry. <laughs> Georgia, you Steve. better shut your. Mouth. Georgia has Steve. to stop with the impressions. And it's Mr. Noodle's bad. brother, Mr. Noodle. Yeah, Steve. no. Mr. Noodle. I used to be able to do an Elmo impression. 
uh, then I stopped being able to do it because I stopped doing it for a long time and now uh, I can't anymore. But I used to sing the the Elmo's World song and every, every time I'd be asked to do it, I was like, okay, but you remember how loud I have to get, right? And Georgia. it would always oh, freak people out. Oh my yeah, God. Georgia, you're scaring me. Like oh, that's, no. that's like horror movie stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> I, can we go back to playing the songs through the phone, please? <laughs> Hold on, I have to. I have to blast Elmo. Okay, Elmo. <laughs> is... Elmo, are we really? Elmo. Okay. Oh, so Sesame Street. Like, there's an interesting history to Elmo, right? So, uh, Elmo started out. He was actually more of a monster character in a lot of skits, and they they passed his character over to this one uh, puppeteer. Uh, his name is Kevin something. So, and they completely changed his personality. So, Sesame Street before this point was, uh, you know, it, it's really created by, like, uh, you know, educators to pass lessons on to, to children. So when Big Bird was more of a main character when I was growing up, Big Bird really acted as the um, big kid kind of walking littler kids through lessons. And you can see that teaching style through Sesame Street. When Elmo came on, he kind of took it over. Elmo's uh, mind is perpetually stuck at being a three-year-old. He doesn't really learn anything. Most of his skits are all about his like childlike stupid exuberance. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 he doesn't he doesn't learn any lessons. They don't ask him to that he's very cute, but they don't ask him to learn any lessons. So I would say as someone that watches Every episode of Sesame Street, don't judge me. Um, no judgment. There's no like, judgment. There's no judgment. Like he, the, the parts with Elmo, they may be very cute, but the educational content is generally very low with them. Well, that's because he sees the world through the eyes of a three-year-old. Well, that point of view is stupid, Georgia. <laughs> you need to grow up like Cookie Monster. Like, let me tell you something, kids. Oh, if I would have never look, thought we would be trashing you, Elmo. Oh, I hate <laughs> Elmo. I hate Elmo. If you you want to be a success. I have strong feelings about Elmo, and I have strong feelings about Caillou, which is another show oh, on PBS. But Caillou's Let an me... actual little turd. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> continue, continue. Kids, anyway. It is a dog-eat-dog world. If you want to get somewhere in life, you look at freaking Cookie Monster. <laughs> Cookie Monster would I run the world's Monster best too. startup, okay? I Cookie, Monster Cookie Monster wakes up. What does he think about cookies? What is he working on? Cookies. What is he he, he spending his whole life doing? It's getting cookies. cookies. That is a dude that's going to matriculate in our freaking capitalistic system. Meanwhile, <laughs> stupid Elmo's over there like, oh, I love you. Like, no, Elmo is going to get a little sad. arts degree and then is not going to go on anywhere in life while Cookie Monster is making the next Facebook. Uh, just so oh. liberal, just to follow up, I, it yeah. was Kevin Clash and he Kevin took over Clash. Elmo in 1985. Okay. And so, now it seems so Ryan, early. Ryan Dillon is now yeah. the puppeteer. I don't know. I think Oscar the Grouch has got some good ideas. I like his, I like the little <laughs> tiny uh, worm he has. Wormy? Yeah. Oh, so I like cute. Wormy. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was always Big Bird. I was never a fan of Big Bird's. I didn't mind Big Bird, but he was what? slightly annoying. What? Annoying. annoying. Is this going to be the thing that ruins our show? Uh, I, us like being able to work. Um, our professional relationships can not continue. I think we should vote Georgia off right now. <laughs> again. I, <laughs> again. 
Oh my god. <gasps> just uh, uh, let's just call the I don't know, dog the bounty hunter. I'm sure there's some bounty out for for Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sesame Street is firing like the almost all of its uh its veterans except for so one. Sad. Um yeah. yeah, it's a uh, oh my goodness. It's it so <sighs> un Sesame Street. Well, I mean, it got scooped up by HBO and so Not okay. But HBO was very clear to say, which I thought was kind of funny, that they do not oversee production of the series. They're like, look, we might have scooped it up, but we have nothing to do with production. This is not our fault that everybody is leaving. Yeah, we're just firing everyone. We're not. It's not our fault. Don't send us angry Elmo puppets. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Like the dismembered arms of puppets are being sent to HBO's headquarters right now. What? That's 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 a bit morbid. I, I hey, y'all are talking bad about Elmo. I figured you would celebrate. We talked about dismembered fingers before, which was not like, puppets. And now though. you're upset. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this straight. We have three listeners you left. Hate dogs. You care more about puppet arms than human fingers. I just don't know what to think about you, Steve. Lewis. Listen, I and the Muppets go way back, and I cannot support sending Muppet. Muppet but you and humans don't go way back. No, no, Muppets. Muppets are much nicer than humans in general. Actually, that's probably, that's probably true. true. Except for Elmo, I, I, gotta, I have to agree with you there, Steve. Yeah. Except for Cookie Monster. What? Well, Cookie Monster. Oh, don't even talk about. Don't talk trash <laughs> Look, about Cookie I Monster. Love, I I have ridiculous feelings for Cookie Monster. So I don't. I, I don't yeah. want to hear any trash talk about Cookie no, Monster. The, the one, yeah. The one you have to watch out for is actually the Count because we have the. Oh, um, so the we count. have this this DVD <laughs> series of like original like seventies. Sesame uh, Street uh, episodes, uh. and it has like the first in the first appearance of Count von Count, and he is like grade A, like creepy, like dropping roofies in people's drinks level of creepy. What? Like he does is he act, like, like he actually he, does that. Yeah, well, no, he doesn't do that, but he's like lurking in the shadows and he's like hiding and like counting things like surreptitiously in this really like super like not like the the happy go lucky like ah oh, one ha 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 ha, but like this really like creepy scary level great maybe he's original elmo's father before elmo was replaced with uh nice elmo but the count is one who taught me to do accents like this yeah that that was in that movie the avenue strikes back yeah that's where they really where they revealed that the count is creepy i i would say that someone going around just counting what i did i would be i would be that would be messed up i have to say out of all of the muppets that I can see would... Georgia turning around and like smacking him on his nose and saying, would you quit counting? I, I'm trying to get this done. Quit counting. Yeah. And he's just like, one, two, three. I think anyway, count might have a few things that it ne- he needs to deal with. <laughs> and that's he comes to you for help and you just turn him away like he's some sort of I'm not Steve. Muppet. Do I look like Steve? What? <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore, except that we should do at least one listener call or email or tweet or something before we say goodbye. Okay. Um, Let me find one of the ones that I was saving from last week because Georgia wasn't here. So let me... Let I will me... count the seconds oh, while no, you find it. Don't ah, do ah, it. Ah. Uh, don't, don't be creepy, Micah. One Georgia <laughs> Dow. Oh. <laughs> Two Georgia Okay, Dows. I found it. You can stop now, please. Three. Okay, you can count your toes quietly to yourself while we uh, play the voicemail. Okay, here we go. 
I'm increasingly disturbed. Hi, my name is Manika, and I'm a big fan of the show. One of the reasons that I started listening to it because I was looking for a tech show with kind of a more diverse perspective, and so I was really happy to hear you all talk about the issues with the police shootings. Um, one of the things that came up that was it was really important for me to clarify was what Georgia said about the importance of focusing on intent. And as a person that does workshops on training and diversity relationships, one of the things that we focus on is that intent doesn't matter, that it's the impact of what people do that's more important to focus on because when people do things that are discriminatory, often they don't intend to do them. So if we talk about something related to tech like hiring practices where people tend to offer jobs to their fraternity brothers, they might not intend to, you know, hire other white men, but they do that because that's the nature of their friendship circles. And so when you try to let people know that, oh, this is what the the impact of what you're doing is, they're like, oh, well, I didn't intend to do that. So I just wanted to really point out the importance of not focusing on what the intent, but the impact, and really to have that lead the discussion. And so I think what Micah was trying to say was just that when people share these videos and they're saying you have to watch this, in their mind, their audience is only other white people. They don't think about what it means for a black person or another person of color to watch this kind of violence happen to someone that they identify with. And so that's why it's important to hold people for accountable for their actions and not just the intent behind them. All right, well, keep it up, and I really appreciate you all addressing this topic. Thanks. Bye. Wow. I think you put a... Georgia Dow in her place. <laughs> I think I've been placed. But Dow, I think you that have been placed it, on the I shelf. Think that, I think that um, making She's people... good. We should have her on. Right? <laughs> she, might, she might want to take my place. I might be voted off by next week. Me and Elmo <laughs> voted off the show. Oh. Yeah, you, you I would hang out Elmo. with a Georgia Dow Elmo partnership, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could be the new Dorothy. Anyway, anyway. Uh, what were you going to say, Georgia? Did you forget? Intent deals with with um, what you wanted to do, but it still doesn't negate the actions that you did, which is, I think, what she was meaning to say. And I fully agree with that. But again, there is a difference when your intent is to harm than if you're doing it out of ignorance. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely um, I yes you you did get uh, what I was saying, uh, which I appreciate that. That's fantastic, and thank you so much for for calling in. Uh, that was the uh, the impression or you know the point I was trying to make. Um, and yeah, I think I think whatever you know we talk about intent versus impact, and especially in, in something that I know Brie and I have both touched on before, and Brie especially has touched on, is the the intent involved in, like, um, the different discussions surrounding uh, what is the, the right vocabulary to use in certain situations, you know, relating to certain things, and uh, what, uh, what you're... You know, you're trying to 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 do a good thing, and you're trying to 
convey a particular message and you will almost always get someone who comes back at you and says, well, you didn't do it this way. And so that's wrong. Even though you're trying to help in this situation, this is wrong. And whenever you're someone like Bree, who has a bajillion billion followers, then it's coming from a lot of places at once of, of people complaining whenever the, it kind of buries the original purpose of that. And so I think that that, I mean, cause you can even consider the impact there and the impact is, uh, is, is a lot greater and a lot more positive if we're trying to, you know, pass on a good message than any sort of, any sort of a bad impact. And the intent there, of course, was good. So uh, that, that was a little mixed up and messy. But basically what I'm trying to say is I think that there are times when intent comes into play, especially when the person is trying to do good and is, you know, is trying to, to, to preach a message about, about good things versus something like you were saying with hiring practices where, yeah, I, I would imagine that there are some people out there who never intended to, you know, kind of keep me or someone else out of, of a job, but did it unintentionally. But the impact there is a very negative one. So I think if the impact is positive and the intent is also positive, like that's where intent comes into play and is something that should be focused on, should be paid attention to. I mean, Micah, to be fair, have you thought about, have you tried thinking about it from a white supremacist point of view? Uh, sorry, my Twitter right. feed has you're, corrupted my mind. So, you're right. Yeah, um, that is, uh, before we lose the last three followers that we have. Yeah, okay. We have, so we have one more voicemail that I'll play to get us off of the that train of thought. So here we go. Hello, Disruption people. Uh, this is not a very techie question, but hopefully one that is Georgia-ish on some level and maybe Micah Breed or Steve-ish on some level. I think I've realized recently a significant problem in making new friends and meeting people and having positive connections has been the side of negative self-image that tends to lead me to belittle myself pretty much constantly and certainly excessively and often in ways that I think end up shooting down compliments in a oftentimes hurtful way which is not very conducive to um, making good connections or having people feel good about being around me. I feel like it might be a little bit of a personal breakthrough to realize that, but I think the next step is understanding how exactly I can help to stop doing that um, in a place where I really would like to make some good connections and friendships. And I think a big part of that is being able to be if not an excessively positive person, at least not someone who redirects conversation towards their own failings. So anyway, hope uh, that's something you can help with. And thanks so much for the show and Isometric as it was and everything here and up. Thank you. Take care. I love you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sending you lots of love right now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for writing in and something that is so heartfelt and um, difficult to express. I, um, I deal with a lot of people that are going through the same types of things that you're going through. And it's really hard to start the wheel turning in a different way. And I'd really love to actually go through all the steps, but it's actually, it would probably be a little bit long, but I'll try to make it really brief. No, no, no. Take as much time as you need. Yeah. Um, So 
what happens is, is that like, and I, I don't know why you have strong negative thoughts inside and it could be harsh invalidating parents. It could be um, being bullied as a child. It could be being highly perfectionistic and not accepting yourself for that. It could be um, going through depression, anxiety. There's many different things that can go through. The wonderful news is that all of this can be changed. We truly can change that. But it is hard work, and at first it's going to feel like a lie because what happens is that if you fire, fought neurons that fire together, wire together. And so whatever you are doing at any moment, you are getting better at it. And so if you are practicing negative thoughts inside of your mind, you're going to get better at being negative and harsh and critical. And one of the worst things of that is, is that you start carrying around this negative, harsh, critical, bullying voice inside of your head that you can never leave. You wake up with it, you travel with it, you go places in it, and it will cycle through all of these negative, horrible, hateful, judgmental thoughts inside of your head. And so it makes it so hard because in social interactions and it's it's hard to be with the person that you're trying to interact with because you're constantly judging your own behaviors because of that. And so social anxiety is the fear of judgment from others. And it's quite innate to us. We like to fit in, feel cared about and loved. And it is so very detrimental when we feel our culture, our people, our you know, whatever it might be, are not accepting of us. And that's why it's so damaging to us if we come from a family of origin that is not accepting of who we are as a person. Now, I'm going to give you some steps. Um, there is there is a really great social anxiety workbook that you should probably get, and anyone that's dealing with it, you can get past this. You really, truly can. I, I think I have like a 95% success rate of helping people through, but it's nice if you have a therapist that you feel comfortable with that you're open to, that makes you feel welcomed and cared about and listened to and heard. Now, the first thing that you should do is you need to call out your internal bully. You cannot allow this to happen. We need to start forcing the part of your brain that deals with positivity because negativity is linked with anxiety and fear because if your body doesn't trust you, then how are you going to handle bad situations? Positivity, happiness is inclined with feeling good self-esteem and I can handle this situation. So what you want to do is you want to take a journal and you want to write down the things, the negative things that you say to yourself so that you can realize when you do it. Because if you were in school and you were being bullied as a child, we would pull you out of that school because of how detrimental it would be. And so now you're doing this in your head all the time. And really, Everyone, all of us that are type A, hardworking, achievement-oriented people, lean towards being very critical and negative of our own behavior. And so you want to do that, even if this is not to the level of having social anxiety. This should be gotten rid of anyways. Then what you want to do is every day you want to write down one thing that is positive. Even if it's, I did a good job tying my shoelaces, or and the smaller the better. I I didn't want to get out of bed today, and I got out. I went outside and I smiled at someone. I hit after, but at least I smiled at someone. Then you go back to all the negative stuff that you said. Every time when you, all of the negative stuff you said, you're going to flip it and say something positive to each of those negative comments. Every single one. Because you need a new script. And at first, yeah, it's going to be a script. 
Why? Because this is not going to happen naturally or intuitive. We have to force the system. If you wanted to learn how to get better at kicking a ball in soccer, what would you do? Would you talk about it? Would you look at the ball? Would you stare at it? Would you watch videos of people playing soccer? You have to kick the ball if you really want to get better at this. You have to practice saying it, doing it, and after a while it will come to be innate to that. Um, Surround yourself with some people, some support groups, do things, and I've given you more homework than you should do in a week. You start small. You do with what you can. And I really appreciate you writing in because there's probably so many other people that are in exactly the same situation as you are and thinking that they're all alone. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. And, and I'll I'll say that this is something that I'm I'm working through still. Like this is something that I suffered from pretty badly. And and I think I've talked about this on Probably unisymmetric because it was long enough ago. But um, one of the side effects of being diagnosed as late as I was with ADD was not believing that any of the things that I am skilled at are actually skill because I could never do them consistently. And so I had a very low opinion of myself because I felt like I was just kind of lucking through life and that nothing that I was able actually doing was a result of like skill that I had. It was all luck. And that that kind of led me to be very hard on myself whenever I would fail at something because I was it was partially because I didn't believe that I had any skill. And also that I out of fear that this was going to be the one thing that was going to lead everybody to realize that I was actually a fraud and everything was going to come crashing down around me. And so I, I ended up I, I've been going to therapy, too, and, and, you know, talking through it and just like learning how to, you know, both to accept the good in myself and also to give myself permission to not be perfect and not to and to not let a failure completely derail me. And that doesn't mean that it's that doesn't mean that it's easy and that doesn't mean that it works all the time. I mean, like I literally had like a half hour emotional breakdown just like two weeks ago because I bought Maureen the wrong pair of shoes at the store and didn't understand, like messed up what she wanted and came home with the wrong thing and like broke down for like a full half hour. Um, But that's not the norm anymore, you know, and it's it's something that if you if you you know, you work with somebody and you start to just learn to love yourself and you learn to believe in yourself, you can, you can really make a big improvement. And and one thing that I, that just like a simple thing that you can try is, I think this is something that Merlin Mann said a long time ago, is that the best way to accept a compliment is just to say thank you. And, you know, that's, that's like one simple thing. And I thought about that too, because I would do exactly the same thing that I somebody would compliment me and I would completely like find every reason to say, oh, well, thanks. But that actually wasn't anything that I had to do with or whatever. And then I, I would start when I would remember and you don't always remember. I would just say, OK, thank you. That's that's nice of you to say. And then, you know, that alone kind of started to help me on that journey, too. So but there there is hope. And it just even being able to call in with this phone call is a really great first step. And I think that that's. You know, you, you, you can, you can do this. You can absolutely do this. I can't overstate the importance and the, the awesomeness that is you calling in Georgia, Georgia mentioned this, but it just, it really need to touch on the fact that 
there are so many people out there who feel like they're alone. And for you to do that and to call in and to, and to ask is, is incredibly heroic. It really is. And there are people out there who are going, it's not just me. Um, and you mentioned something uh, during, during the call about, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, of being uh, positive uh, and suddenly, you know, that, that could have an effect. But again, as Georgia mentioned, that's something that takes, uh, you know, it's not just simply flipping a switch. We, we, as people who deal with anxiety and who deal with depression, uh, know that it's not one of those things you can just, you know, turn off or turn on. And, you know, I, I kind of... Uh, people assume that, you know, a lot of the times because I'm, I try to be kind of a positive hunky dory person that, uh, these things aren't something that affect me. Uh, but the fact is I, uh, had incredibly severe, uh, social anxiety for a long period of time. And I, I still, still deal with, uh, minor anxiety and, uh, a little bit of depression, uh, from time to time. And so, I think I think there are a lot more people out there than we we tend to realize that have these things going on and I don't know. I think it's uh, everything that Georgia said is is really what needs to be, you know, what what you should take to heart. But I don't know. I just I thank you again for calling in. Uh, I think that's the most important thing because you're not alone. Um, I think you know all of us have either known someone or dealt with these things ourselves and hearing that they're that you're not the only one is just it's reaffirming and you know that you know it's not something that i have to deal with alone and it's not something that you have to deal with alone beautifully said thank you guys for sharing i'll tell you what you do (laughs) oh dear so sometimes you know i get that inner mean girl voice do you know the one i'm talking about georgia it's like oh god how could you how could you do that like and and then like i sit there i go wait what's that wait 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 i'm listening to the wrong voice no i am awesome i am awesome at this you know what i am great that's that's like a little mental exercise. I love it. I do. Morning I really affirmations. do. I don't joke. And then and then when that inner demon girl comes back, I'm like, hey, you shut up, Miss Awesome. He is here. Right, shut. No, you get out of here. Don't not for three years will you talk. Get out of here. You so know what? It's it's, yeah. it's it's actually what you're saying, Bree. I have I do have some clients that have totally told their negative voices to f off. Um, and go to hell, and I'm not listening to you anymore. And they found that that was very empowering. So I think that your advice is great, too. Dr. Brianna, my four doctorates in um, having no idea what I'm talking about. Also, if you ever need someone to talk to, I'm certainly uh, not a licensed psychotherapist. So with that noted, uh, my DMs are open, and uh, yeah. I'm, I'm always happy to, to have conversations with you lovely listeners. That's brave. That's yeah. real bravery having your DMs open. <laughs> well, Bree, I uh, I somehow contain or keep keep isolated for the most part. I think most people don't know that they're open, but uh, I don't I don't have that supercharged amount of followers, so I stay pretty it's safe. Terrible. It seems so. You stay under like five thousand is the sweet spot for really enjoying Twitter. Don't get more than five thousand followers. It's just terrible after that. <laughs> no followers to be bought for me, please. <laughs> Uh, that didn't happen before. Sure. <laughs> uh, Siri, DM P- Micah pictures of feet. Oh, or send them no. to Harjan. 
underscore foottherapy.com. Uh, I think, uh, unless I think that, I think that about wraps it up. What do you say? Yeah. Heartfelt. What a show. Yeah. Wow. Great work, everyone. If anyone else would like to get in touch with us, uh, you can either call us at 508-418-3532. That's 508-418-3532. You can also reach out to us on our Twitter at underscore disruption FM. You tweet with the hashtag disrupt me, or you can send us a direct message if you would rather remain private. Uh, that's all I have to say. Please go review the show on iTunes uh, and check out the show notes where we'll have links to all the fun stuff we talked about and even the not-so-fun stuff we talked about at relay.fm slash disruption. Remember that first part, Relay FM? That is our lovely network, and we love them so much. You can find me on Twitter at Micah Sargent. And Steve, where can people find you? Well, you can find me uh, tweeting custom Hearthstone cards of my co-hosts at oh, uh, Wikipedia yes, on Twitter. I just thought those were awesome. What what was that at? At Wicked Good. Wicked Good, yes. not Wicked Hood. Not Wicked Hood. Wicked Good, killer. <laughs> <laughs> and Bree, where can people find you? Don't find me. Don't. Don't. <laughs> just just stay. Stay away. Um, if you... You know, I've gotten... It doesn't matter if I post an opinion of my shoe. I'm going to get yelled at these days. So if you would like to send positive feedback, uh, Space Cat Gal is the, the account to do that. Only if you post an opinion of your shoe, at which point yes. I will... I promise to send you positive feedback. You sent me negative just, feedback of my shoe. I just need, like, shoe Twitter for a week. <laughs> and Georgia, uh, Georgia, if people want to find you on Twitter or other places, like, uh, to actually to, to learn more about dealing with anxiety, where can they go? They can head on down to anxiety. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, anxiety-videos.com. Or actually, we have, I think, anxiety underscore videos on <laughs> Twitter, too, which is, like, so sad. Um, Professional. <laughs> or, or you can um, find me at, at Georgia underscore Dow. And actually, we're shooting two new videos tomorrow, um, one on uh, depression and one on boundaries and consequences. And we've redone our video number one on anxiety. So do you need Superb. us to overstep some boundaries to help you with that video? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The show and boundaries and consequences. I If you need us to dress in panda suits and overstep boundaries. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got one. That, that panda tweet there, that was... Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was a boundary. That was a boundary. <laughs> Look, if you wanna, if you wanna dump, uh, no. if you wanna dump panda no. urine on oh, yourself, no, don't, no, we can't, no, no, in a panda no. suit, no. <laughs> Be my guest. No. But all that's left to say is, Steve, what do you want to tell everybody? Go, go, go! Listen to something else. Don't dump panda urine on anything. Go oh, listen to something else. Go. 